Welcome to the podcast, where you will learn everything you need to be a successful student at any level of academic study. Listen each week as I interview experts, leaders, and students. If you are studying or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching, and support to help you get finished and be successful. While you're listening, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Links and info are always in the show notes. So join me now as you listen in, learn, take action, and succeed. Good afternoon and welcome to this week's edition of Learn in Your Lunchtime. It's our weekly student success coach webinar interview. And today I'm thrilled to uh, be talking to Melissa Ardendorf all about the very important topic of student mental health. So Melissa's got lots of experience and we're going to dive into all of the practical tips and tricks and insights that you need to know uh, to be a successful student, certainly in the tough times that we've all experienced over the last 18 months or so. And I always say that being a postgraduate student is a lonely journey in itself, um, but I think it's been compounded by the lockdowns and the challenges we've had. So potentially we're going into a new era and we need new thinking. And uh, I couldn't think of any better person than Melissa uh, to come into the show this afternoon and have a chat to us. So. Um, please, everybody, uh, say hi in the chat. Tell us where you're from. And, uh, you know, Melissa, we have a range of universities that share these sessions with students every week. Okay. So it'll be really great just to see which universities they're coming from. But while everybody's introducing themselves and saying hi, Melissa, over to you for an introduction about yourself, please. All righty. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Melissa. Um, and I am... I suppose a little bit unique in my academic endeavors. I started off bachelor's through doctorate, and then I did it again. Um, well, currently doing it again. Um, I started off in the humanities, which I firmly believe is vital in everybody's development, just in terms of being a good human, never mind a good student. Um, and I was interested in ancient cultures and languages and art and little bit of drama, a little bit of theology too. So I did one of them mixed bag BAs, uh, eventually did my honors in ancient history um, and English editing because it's always good to have a marketable skill. And then I did my master's and my doctorate in ancient history as well, focusing on bodies in space, bodies as space um, and ancient tattooing practices, which was a passion project. I didn't think I could do anything with it. Uh, and yet, then I worked in academia. I was a tutor for as long as I was an undergrad, and then I became a lecturer, and then I became a course coordinator, and then I became a curriculator. So I've got a little bit of insight into the behind the scenes process and things that make student lives a little bit harder sometimes. And I lectured for about 10 years, and I loved it. Um, and then I somehow, even though I loved it, ended up in a corporate space um, working with engineers, civil engineers, and that's where my critical spatial awareness came in. I was doing social spatial profiling um, on which communities would benefit from increased access to water resources, for example. Uh, but the corporate world, not quite my jam, and went back to academia. And I was very privileged to teach a group of third-year students something akin to a wellness life skills module. And um, they were bypassing the counselor and coming to me instead. And then I thought, ooh, there's something there. There's a new passion. And I promptly started a B-Psych degree. I am now in my final year doing my practicum. Um, so wellness is really everything I eat, sleep, and breathe now alongside an academic journey. 
and a, a new academic journey in the new normal because we went from face-to-face -face contact for three hours at a time to online sessions to asynchronous learning activities to having to learn voice thread and as an ancient cultures person I'm not so good with technology so that was quite the learning experience um, and that's me in a nutshell Wow, Melissa. So you'd certainly qualified to talk about this topic today and you've lived and breathed it and experienced in your own journey as a student. So I think that's really exciting. And uh, I just want to welcome a few people um, onto yes. the session today. Roy Annette, great to have you. Uh, Northwest University, great to see lots of students from uh, Pretoria and Wits. And yeah. uh, yay, I know you're from Pretoria. And uh, we've got Mill Park as well joining us. Uh, Wits University, fantastic. So, guys, let's dive into the topic for today. And please do ask your questions. I'll pop them up on the screen. And then uh, we'll put Melissa on the spot. And, and Melissa, I'm really looking for practical things that people can do, uh, you know, in response to these questions, as well as, of course, the insights and the, and the areas of your expertise that they can be aware of and increase their understanding of wellness mm -hmm. in general. But, Melissa, if you were to break it down for us, and I mean, we've got, students joining us today that are probably you know going into studies or midway or hopefully you know at some sort of advanced stage uh, of their degree and research particularly can be quite lonely mm -hmm. and and isolated you don't have that on-campus experience of the lectures and even the, the undergrads today don't have that they're vastly sort of online as you mentioned mm -hmm. so give us maybe some insights from your perspective and you mentioned now moving into this online space and asynchronous learning and all these types of things what are you seeing in the student community, you know, as the themes or the emergent challenges that, you know, maybe we can all identify with and say, yes, you know, I, I experienced that as well. And then what would be some of your responses to those and ways in which we can cope with them in our own lives as students? I think the, the trend is much higher anxiety levels around assessments. When we have access to each other, even if it's a five-minute check-in with someone to say, hey, how did you experience that question? Or, hey, are you also struggling? Or, hey, can I share my references with you? Back in the day, we had a study group. We, we prepped assessments and for exams. We prepped together. And there was a comfort in knowing that I'm not the only one struggling. And there was also, I, I can bank on my friend knowing exactly what to say in that one. So we, it was really collaborative learning. Now, there's a sense of isolation. Also, we are working at different times. Some people are incredibly productive at three in the morning, and then there's no one to talk to. So there's anxiety and isolation. And when we're anxious, the sympathetic nervous system just goes nuts, and you've got cortisol spiking through your system, which means you lose a little bit of executive function because you're all limbic system all the time. So you don't think critically as clearly you suddenly lose focus concentration isn't so fantastic and you've got sleep issues compounding potentially feeling lonely compounding confusion compounding a lack of access to people and resources so we notice increased anxiety potentially increased depression and potentially increased maladaptive behaviors around managing so instead of just going to bed you'll drink 15 energy drinks to stay up to push through mm. which can't push through because your brain is in fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze, and fall. There we go. Yeah. Tongue twister. So your brain is like panic mode, and now you're feeding it caffeine to get through, but you're not getting through. Or you procrastinate so hard that you go to bed for 15 hours and avoid the problem completely. So we're maladaptively dealing with things where if I know I have to get up today, I have to leave half an hour before class to make sure I get parking, there's structure 
to my academic endeavors. And I know when I get there, I'm going to see this person, that person, I'm going to have my check in. I've got my rituals that keep me safe in academia. And those rituals kind of just, they give us some stability and structure. And when we've got that, we're at ease. But right now, we're, we're not. Um, so how, how to manage that practically, I suppose, is connect with communities like these. Connect with people in whom you can trust and confide and say, hey, I'm not okay right now. Be able to say to someone, be it a coach, be it a mentor, be it someone on a sports team, someone in your life with whom you can be open and honest and say, I maybe need a little bit of help because there's there's nothing wrong with that. All of us need help at this point. And be able to communicate to a lecturer if you need a deadline extension, for example. Um, there's an assessment called the Global Assessment of Functioning. And if you are in about the 60s, it means you're burning out and a lot of students are burning out and it's okay to ask for help if you're burnt out. But because we're isolated, people don't necessarily see how burnt out we are. And I know postgrads especially put an incredibly brave face on because mm. you have to always have your topic ready. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know what the plan is. You have to be impressive. Like every interaction is a, is a round of your oral presentation almost. And you put on a fantastic show, but what's happening behind the scenes? And if we don't have mm. access with our nearest and dearest, no one's checking in on us because our shows are fantastic. And on an online platform, I can show you my fantasticness all the time and you wouldn't know that anything is wrong. So mm. get in touch with communities and people. Stay human. That's how we manage this anxiety. Stay human. I love that. So... Um... Melissa, I mean, we spoke a little bit just before we came online about, uh, and I'll share it just now, you know, the community that we do run. We have a members-only Facebook group and obviously lots of content on the YouTube channel. And what we've aimed to create with the Student Success Coach is something that we all work towards. We've all co-created. Uh, we have a mentorship program. And uh, we had a wonderful example of a student who actually burnt their boats yesterday to overcome their procrastination and announced to the whole group that they were going to complete their three law units by midnight. And we all encouraged her throughout the day on her Facebook post. And I checked in with her at midnight last night and she had nearly finished the last one and she ended up finishing about half past one, two, whatever. So I guess she overcame the anxiety of the procrastination, but now she's compromised her sleep potentially. So what I'm keen to understand, Melissa, and obviously we're very cyclical as human beings and we have our deadlines as students, et cetera, but maybe what are some of those warning signals that we're going beyond just the normal cycles of a day and a week and a ritual and an assignment and an oral presentation, et cetera, that start to indicate, well, I need to, to be focusing a bit more on my mental health than just the good practices of getting enough sleep and not drinking too much coffee, et cetera. What, what are kind of warning signals that you'd help us to think about? So when it comes to warning signals of the mind, I almost want to say go back to body first because we all have racing thoughts. Academics think that's what we do. So you might not pick up the anxious thoughts, but how is your sleep? If you wake up feeling tired, Something might be off. Are you feeling aches and pains that you don't normally feel? Do you suddenly have more headaches? Are you dehydrated? Your body will tell you that something is up. Do you somatize? Do you get a rash when you're stressed, for example? Focus on the body. Then trace back the body. Have you eaten? Have you had something to drink? How are you sleeping? Have you moved? Are you exercising? If you're just sitting in front of the computer for 15 hours a day, it's also not entirely healthy. Check in physically and then 
Um, in addiction counseling, they call it HALT. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? There you go. Um, and that's a check just if you're not feeling okay, but you don't really know what's wrong. HALT, what's going on? Oftentimes, if there's a blood sugar drop, our emotions go out of whack. And we're getting really frustrated with something or our focus goes. We're reading the same paragraph 17 times and it's like, oh, I've barely written a, a word to paraphrase what's going on there. Check your blood sugar. And then, yes, too much caffeine is bad for you. Your body will let you know. So at least have a glass of water every couple of hours and get up and stretch. So I'm not technologically minded, but my Fitbit is very useful because it tells me when I'm particularly stressed. It tells me when I need to move. And by keeping my body in check, my mind feels better. When we get hyper-focused on something, which happens in research, if we're able to just step back, get some perspective, we call it perceptual flexibility, we often get more answers, but it means stepping out of the thing that's causing you anxiety. Again, coming back to the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. If I'm in sympathetic, I'm stressed. If I can move out, eat something. It's called rest and digest, literally. Get to a relaxed state. Nourish my body. Now, not with a McDonald's cheeseburger, like something reasonably healthy, at least. Um, move around a little bit. Get to a point of homeostasis. Get back to balance. Then I'll know what's going on. So if my anxiety or my frustration or my annoyance or irritability is not alleviated by checking in on hungry, angry, lonely, tired, what's been happening this week? Was there a fight with my partner? Was there issues with my parents? Did I get a really bad mark in an assignment? And then is my emotional experience appropriate to what's mm. been going on? If it mm. is, I'm being human. It's absolutely fine. If my emotional experience is not appropriate and I'm blowing it way out of proportion, then we need to start talking about, are you potentially experiencing symptoms of depression, experiencing mm. symptoms of generalized anxiety? And then we deal with it. We take it to a coach. We take it to a counselor. We get a referral. We take it to a GP. GPs are fantastic of that first round of discontainment and asking what's going on, biopsychosocial check-in, what help do you need? Mm. So I think that leads brilliantly onto the question from Ashen there when he asked about the threshold between actually being depressed and not or some sort of pseudo-depression. Now, I know myself, and I'm opening up here in front of everybody, and I see Kutsia has done so on the chat as well. I've been through depression, and you know I was diagnosed with it, and I w we went on medication, and it, it got me through that period, and I came out of it, and it took you know a proper a medical practitioner to diagnose that and help me through that. But I think, you know, it still comes from yourself to know that you've got to pick up the phone and go and get help. So just to um, answer Ashen's question there, what is that threshold? And I loved what you were talking about just now where it talks about lots of blurred boundaries between all the different aspects of life that we have to deal with and within which we need to box and compartmentalize emotions, etc. But, you know, to Ashen's question there, is there something practical that we can do to identify the onset of more clinical or medical depression? Mm -hmm. 100%. So um, I actually, I did a, a depression inventory screening today. And um, I myself, I can disclose as well, I also suffer from clinical depression. Um, suffer from, deal with, recovering from, it's a bit of a, a constant situation. I think that the first thing that we notice is the sadness does not change. It doesn't go away. It's an emotional toothache. It's there when mm. you wake up, it's there when you mm. go to bed. That to me says it's not just a stimulus response to something that's going on. So there's this pervasive sadness. There's also 
if I'm not able to clearly express my feeling, there's almost a blunted affect. I can say, may, I'm not feeling great. What does may mean? What does it look like? Oh, I don't know. It's just, you know, you start making these weird grunting noises and you don't have your emotional vocab that you normally do. There's also a sense, am I guilty? Guilty for what? I don't know, but I feel guilty. I'm feeling a sense of guilt. I'm feeling a sense of shame. So guilt being about something I've done, shame being about who I am. And there's this feeling of disappointment and disgust, but it's all internalized. And when those things happen alongside being incredibly self-critical, which academics are, so that's not the top of the list warning sign for us because we, we can't help it. Um, when there is guilt and shame, I feel like a failure. I'm not as satisfied with things that I normally am. Anhedonia. I don't experience joy from the things that normally give me joy. So yeah. I do vocational ballet. And if I'm not excited to put my point shoes on, I know something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is the point where depression looks a bit different on everybody. Yes, there are. Your sleep is disturbed and your appetite changes. But you know personally when something is up with you and when we're talking about depression versus pseudo depression pseudo depression is still depression because you are personally affected it is causing distress in areas of your life so i wouldn't call it pseudo at all depressive symptoms have a range and sometimes it's mild sometimes it's moderate sometimes it's severe but if it's present it's not pseudo mm. so when you have these, these negative thoughts, low, blunted affect, anhedonia, and then there's a thought of the world wouldn't mind if I didn't wake up. It's a, it's a hard thing to yeah. talk about, but it happens. Yeah. And, um, and that kind of lingers. And that thought isn't something that you can spot and see and say, ah, maybe I should check in on that. If you let that thought stay around, then I would say mm. that it's probably serious enough to go have a conversation with a GP, with a counselor, with a therapist, with a coach. Coaches make fantastic referral points as well. Even a friend, just to share with one other person. That's the responsible thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, no, 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 thank you. And I mean, I just, I was sort of checking it against my own experience and I sort of lost my appetite as an example. Mm -hmm. And then I also had those feelings, you know, well, <laughs> with the world miss me type of thing, you know, and, and that, that, that starts to take you down a very dark spiral, yes. you know, and, and I mean, I think Stephanus's question there about, you know, getting that treatment for me, what it did was it just cushioned that the, the, the trough that I was in and help me sort of get through it and also you know, work on the problems that were causing the depression, I think. Um, not that it's always that easy, but to Stefanus's question here, and maybe just to give my own personal perspective and then Melissa, yours as well, um, you know, it gave me a very deep and heightened sensitivity towards this topic of student mental health that we're talking about today. So I do relate very well to it. Um, and I, with counseling as well as the medication, felt that it was something that I experienced as a, as a sickness, like a cold or a flu, et cetera. But I can't say that there were never any more lingering feelings of depression. And if I could put it like this, I felt I walked close to the edge of an abyss. And although I was mm -hmm. walking a bit further away from the edge now, I knew that abyss or the edge of the cliff was there. And it was a dark place that I had 
looked into almost and it's all thought about going into it just to, to solve the problem itself rather than walk close to it and always have that next to me but i feel like i walk further and further away from the edge now but i can i'm better at identifying it because i've been through it so i don't know maybe just melissa you can talk about this uh, question from stefanus there that's an amazing metaphor that you're using about that cliff edge um so mood disorders in general whether it's depression or bipolar disorder or cyclothymia they have a basis neurochemically in the brain so clinical depression as diagnosed it is based on observable symptoms um but there is a neurochemical basis and it comes down to for the most part a dopamine receptor and dopamine deficiency so dopamine is a happy hormone also serotonin which is like your long-term satisfaction hormone we don't have a lot of that um and often anxiety and depression go together so there's increased cortisol and increased acetylcholine so your adrenals are also involved in this so it is very much a physical illness it is very much like the flu and the problem is you don't develop fewer receptors later on you this is something that happens from the get go as your brain develops some people have the receptors they need and some people don't most people with substance use disorders are prone to have fewer dopamine receptors and self medicate symptoms of depression through substance use so this is very common but it is very much based in the brain so we can't we can train the brain we can regrow neural pathways neuroplasticity is an amazing thing so you can learn to overcome and behaviorally behaviorally uh, with behavior ah, you can mm. change your brain sorry i got nervous there and fluffed away <laughs> um you can change your brain and your neural pathways through behavior but you cannot change the structure of your brain so if you have fewer receptors you are stuck with us so the mm. condition itself will not go away even mm. with medication it, it mm. your your abyss is always there but mm. you learn to walk around it as mm. you said mm. you learn mm. coping skills and the ideally we have medication to buffer the very severe symptoms at the same time we learn coping mechanisms to carry us through so that we don't have to be stuck on mm. medication for it because while it is a clinical condition a lot of people yep. are very scared of what it means to be medicated and a lot of times the side effects of medication are quite severe so yep. if we can buffer the initial intensity of the feelings to learn the coping skills we know that the brain adapts to tolerance so the more distress tolerance we endure the better we become at dealing with it so i now spot a depressive episode coming i know what i need to do eat okay. sleep hide talk to someone and i can almost prevent an episode now versus seeing it once i'm 3 quarters of the way in and not getting up off the couch for a week so yep. you you learn an incredible amount of self awareness mm. going through some counseling and also figuring out what works for you because your depression might manifest differently to mine and my management looks differently so there isn't one pill for everybody there isn't one modality for everybody you need to tailor make your management to suit your lifestyle knowing mm. that you'll be under more stress as a student especially as a postgrad student in a post pandemic world so what a stress management and depression management look like for you might be different to another person but 
sometimes professional help is necessary to get that awareness and to get a management plan in place. Mm. Um, I, as someone who I like to be right and I really like to be the expert, I also really know when I need to ask for help and it's okay. Yep. yep. I guess, I mean, my thinking about, um, you know, the comparison with the flu is that um, because depression and anxiety is much more of an internally experienced episode that you go through, if I've hurt my hand, for example, it's external to my consciousness and I can see my hand and I can experience the pain, but it's not as all-encompassing or all-consuming, um, let's say, as an illness of the brain or an experience that the brain and the consciousness and your lived experience is having to go through, um, if that makes any sense. And uh, yeah, you know that 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 analogy of the abyss. So I think you only you <laughs> you live it to, to to be able to talk about it and to relate to it. Yeah. And I just want to say to Jade, um, you know, I think part of today's session is about you know removing that stigma and saying this is a safe place and. You know, I intended to share what I did today and, uh, you know, um, I, I do it from the bottom of my heart and um, my passion for student success, you know, that is, you know, fundamental to what I'm trying to do with this brand and with this community and with bringing people like Melissa into the community to help us with this. And ultimately, if we can do something that reduces anybody's feeling of loneliness or isolation, you know, it's not going to solve all the problems or reduce, as you say, something that needs medical attention. But hopefully it's a stepping stone or an inch away from the edge of the cliff. I want to touch on, um, Melissa, oh, wait, you, you wait, wait, go wait, ahead. Wait. <laughs> sometimes yeah. we, we see the cliff coming and sometimes all it takes is a connection with someone in the community to say, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. And I'm not saying you always need drastic medical intervention. That's why isolation is yeah. such a big deal at the moment. Yep. To just be able to check in today and say, yeah, I also struggle with this, gives me another little bit of, it's another step away from the cliff. And then I'll do a little bit of self-care and it's another step away from the cliff. So, okay, so, yeah. So you're saying that inch, you know, even if we move a few people a couple of inches away from the cliff today, that's that's important. It's huge. Okay. And we're, we are building connections. So we are... OTs call it pulsing. Like you, you start a group and one person touches the pulse of another person. And that's how it goes around. In this community, we can feel the pulse of the person next to us. And when we yeah. do that, we have a connection with them. And if we feel them slipping, we can grab them back. That's why mm. community is so important. And if you yeah. need someone to reach out to, you can do that here. So yeah. it yeah. means it means something. And so, yeah. yeah. Small, small interactions are so meaningful, especially when there's mental illness involved. We don't know what's going on with another person. We put on a fantastic mm. show. But just to know that you are acknowledged sure. in whatever state you show up to is okay. incredibly valuable. And, and, okay, so maybe let's just jump on to Kian, who is reaching out. And this is a practical example. Where, and Kian, thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability as well. I mean, you know, we maybe can help you with a couple of inches away from the edge today. Um, COVID, and I'm also recording this for our podcast, so just making sure that people who can only listen in are going to get the benefit of the question. Uh, Kian says, mm -hmm. COVID has ruined my vast experience so far. I was a first year in 2020, so I've been extremely isolated, lacking student experience, and just exacerbated my depression. What do I do to combat this? And I've heard from so many people, even starting this year, and they are on campus, but sitting in their res, 
their mm -hmm. computer, you know, watching a lecturer teach from their residence or their house somewhere away. So that student campus experience has been almost sterilized. If I, and, and I think I totally agree with Kian. And I mean, I don't know what we're going into a, an incredibly difficult and uncertain phase in humanity, I think, that we're all going to have to adjust with. But people like Kian, what should have been an exciting on-campus, vibrant opportunity to make friends and interact and develop intimate personal relationships with people and friendships that you know I had in my vast experience that I still have for the rest of my life, some of this has now been affected. So, Melissa, your thoughts for Kian specifically. Can we help Kian here? I am sorry, and I want to say that so, so, so sincerely, because when we dream about going to university, and for a lot of us, that's something that we we know where we're going when we're tiny children. We have the visions and the dreams, and we know we know what our parents and our brothers and sisters have said about the experience. So we build up this expectation and this dream, and uh, 2020 happens, and the dream is dashed, and I'm sorry because mm. it sucks and I need to acknowledge how much it sucks how do we combat this I don't really know um, as much as I like to be the expert managing expectations first of all to know that it probably will not be the experience that everybody talks about so how can you capitalize and still find meaning and satisfaction so that comes down to personal drivers what is meaningful in your life? What is meaningful for you in terms of engaging with the lecturer? Do you need more contact? Do you get something out of more contact? Can you ask for more contact? Is there a way to set up a study group so you still get some kind of interaction? Are you taking care of yourself? Um, mm. It's, it's, it's yeah. Combating this is, it's a global struggle and I don't know what it looks like yet. What I know is self-care, whatever mm. that means for you, and finding a victory on a daily basis, which it's hard when you're depressed. I, I get that. Yeah. But to do something, set a goal, burn the boat. I, I use mm. the eat the frog method, but yeah. eat the frog. I know. Something. I know. Eat frogs for breakfast. <laughs> 100%. Eat the frog. Yeah. A lot of the times we we curl into that isolation hole and don't get up and don't eat and get up, eat, make something delicious, post it on Instagram. If at this point our lives are online, engage with social yeah. network, engage with something, but yeah. claim a victory, do mm. something for you and claim it. And it's it seems small and trivial, but it builds up over time. And just structure, maintain structure as much as you can. And you're going to have to self-impose it because we don't have the timetables and we don't have lectures coming in and out of lecture halls. But yep. have some structure, have some routine. And within that, try to find some something to hold on to of the student experience you can make for yourself, mm. even though it's not the one that you expected. That is not yep. the nicest answer, but I think it's the true answer for me at least. No, and I mean, if I was just to to play it back to you in Kian's context, so Kian has taken a step of joining this webinar today. I don't know, he may be in the Facebook group, I, um, I'll go and have a look, and I don't know, maybe his university sent him the session, but he clicked on it today, step number one. Mm -hmm. Step number yes. two, he put a comment in the chat. Step number 100%. three, hopefully he's 
been listening and we haven't promised to solve the world's problems for him, but that third and fourth, fifth, sixth step, whatever that's going to look like, hopefully is more positive than if he hadn't taken those first one or two or three steps. So maybe it's a couple of inches that changes his trajectory away from the cliff edge and maybe not completely away from it, but not as close to it as he would be if he hadn't come on this webinar, he hadn't been vulnerable and asked for, for help, et cetera. And I mean, you mentioned just now setting up a study group and seeing people, et cetera, but then you've got the, the dilemma of, well, now actually I get nervous about being physically with people because now we're conditioned to wear masks, um, conditioned to sanitize, we're not shaking hands, we're not hugging people anymore. I'm, 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 I'm personally distraught, I'm a, I'm a hugger. You know, I, I shake hands. I'm I'm an intimate person. I'm a I'm a I'm a coach. I run workshops. Um, my life, my career has been built around people coming together, solving problems, whatever project or topic it is. Digital transformation. You know, and I've sort of the, the team here knows that's part of what I do and a lot of what I teach on on Udemy, etc. But I, I I'm devastated by this learned cautiousness that we built around human intimacy and i think we made a mistake to call it social distancing i think we should have called it physical distancing because as you mentioned just now we can have some social proximity might be online etc but i'm worried that social distancing has conditioned us long after the pandemic has faded mm -hmm. and we've all been vaccinated to still have this nervousness around the physical intimacy that we need as humans i, f I firmly believe we need it um, so I'm not a hugger. I am quite grateful for social distancing in some sense. Uh, it gives me an excuse to not. I needed OT as a child. I've got some sensory modulation issues. But um, I think it's okay to be anxious. It's appropriate because we at this point don't have enough information to not be anxious. So that's an appropriate response. I say as I'm touching my face while talking about this. Um, I think... Anxiety stems from a feeling of not necessarily being in control. And here we have to be in mind, keep in mind, what are my controllables? I can wear my mask. I can make sure that I'm clean. I can mm. meet you outside. I don't have to be in a tight space with you. I can catch you, not hug you, whatever the case may be. I can send virtual hugs, whatever. Um, you can manage it. You don't have to just see someone over a screen. Just... Yep. Manage it within your realm of comfort. If you are comfortable seeing someone that you know really well, know they've been taking care of their health, know that they haven't been exposed to anything, know that they are sanitizing and all of that, then it's okay. Mm. I Be yep. responsible. Be responsible in your interactions. And study groups can be online. Um, yep. If you Study groups can be in a park. Study groups yep. don't have to sure. be in the research commons around a table in a small room with not the best ventilation. Yeah. So we, we just need to adapt what it looks like. And yeah, physical distancing is real. I know a lot of the residents of the facility where I work are really struggling with that because they, some, you just want to hug your mom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In, no, look, I mean, yeah. So Mangozo, <laughs> I think, yeah. Mangozo has asked a question here and just reminded me that I hadn't answered the question. So mm -hmm. apologies for that, Mangozo, uh, humblest apologies. Um, how do you deal with a lack of confidence in yourself, which comes from failing a module, and now you feel like you're the dumbest person in the room and you get so anxious you can't even function? So for my quick two cents with Mangozo, you are not, if this has happened to you, 
you're not. You're bright, you're unique, you're a creation, you're special, you're loved, you're part of this community. We want you to succeed and we want you to get through this. Melissa, your thoughts? When we something goes wrong academically, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. So you need to look at what else has been going on. If you were taking care of a sick parent, for example, and you couldn't give time to your studies, where is your attention appropriately going? So is it a case of something else had gone on in your life and you had to prioritize? Um, as a lecturer, I once had a student whose dad had passed away and she was left looking after an infant and she wasn't coping with university. So we, we made a plan to extend her program to get her tutoring, to get her the help she needed because sometimes university can't be your first priority and we need to understand in a post-pandemic world we're in a global crisis. We're facing anxiety and depression and not all university structures, my current one included, have taken into account the stress of dealing with life and still expect distinctions and still expect you to make deadlines because you're at home now. So what else are you going to be doing except a lot? So what else is going on? This doesn't happen in a vacuum. Then failure it's not disaster, failure is feedback. Feedback is information and information is power because once you have information, it gives you options to do differently. When a behavior isn't serving us, so if this is a case of, ah, oh, I'm a 3 a.m. crammer and that didn't work for me, I know now that I should maybe start revising earlier. If this was a case of, I only took notes in class but didn't do revision, now I know I need to revise my notes. So this gives you feedback into your process. It is not a comfortable way to learn about your process, but at least you're given the opportunity to learn about your process. Failure is feedback. And if we can frame it that way, it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on process. We can also ask, did you receive the teaching that you needed because some people learn better in certain modalities than others. Did you get the support that you needed? Failure in this sense, I feel like you're taking responsibility for something that I'd obviously don't know the context, but there's, there's more to it. And if you feel like you're the dumbest person in the room, that to me speaks of a really loud self-critic and a really hard drive towards perfectionism. And that just sounds absolutely exhausting. Something that I've had to come to terms with in my studies is that sometimes my effort is good enough. Mm. And good enough doesn't necessarily mean a distinction. Sometimes good enough is just getting through. And yeah. if I know that I've put in my personal best effort, I know that I can be content with enough. And then I'm not the dumbest person in the room. I worked my ass off for what I got. However, that being said, Personal best looks different on different days. Now, I have depression. I do depression. I have diagnosis. There's a lot of play around the wording we choose because I don't want to have the label because labels are bad, but I've got this depression situation. I have two and a half jobs. I'm still trying to be a full-time student, um, and, and I have a dog who's reasonably needy and neurotic. So my it's a funny example, but it's true. She takes an incredible amount of my time. So when it comes to finishing readings for my Thursday morning class, sometimes I don't make it through. And 
I'm the student who loves to be prepared and have all my notes color coded. I used to be that student, but my priorities look a bit different now. So I know if I can do 90% of the readings, I got through the prescribed, if not the recommended, but I did the best I could that day, but I'm honest about that, then that's enough. So whatever the situation is, bring it back to personal efforts. And if the, the feedback you're getting on your personal effort says that you need to make more effort, grab the opportunity and make more effort. If the feedback is about process that you weren't in control of, you need to communicate mm -hmm. that because you need support. And mm -hmm. let's get you the support you need to support your process because academia doesn't happen in a vacuum just from the student. There's more at play. And I think using that um, point that you made about failure is feedback, you know, move beyond the emotional attachment that you might have to failure or that is placed on you by parents and community and expectations and pressure of life, et cetera. And although that may be your initial reaction, as, as Mongozo indicated just now, move from failure to feedback and feedback then becomes a lot more objective in terms of actions that you can take to work on and put into a process um, to respond to that unfortunate and unpleasant event of, of failing something but then learning from it and taking action and improving as a result of that feedback and not giving up as a result of it being a failure. It's hard to do but I like I like the language that you've used there because it talks to a lot of what I've coached the students on this community about in terms of whatever that action looks like and however hard it is to take, whether it's an inch or a step or a meal or an hour's sleep, you know, that action is going to, and what I often say to students is a PhD or a master's is a series of actions. It's a series of steps. Um, there's no silver bullet. There's no one day that suddenly you've you overcome all the challenges of a PhD. It's just a day by day, task by task thing. So whether you you know eat frogs for breakfast, which is that point that you raised earlier, do the hardest thing as, as early as you can in the day, or burn your boats like the person who did in the Facebook group and said, I'm gonna study these three law, law units by the end of the day yesterday, and she did, and we congratulated in the Facebook group. Or whether you take the feedback from that failure and you attach some actions to it, and then you burn your boats around those actions. So come into the Facebook group. I put the link in the chat there and say, uh, Mongozo, like you did, I failed, but I've converted into feedback. These are the three or four or five or six things I'm going to do. I'm going to complete these actions, help me and encourage me to get there. And then I'll reassess when I get through yes. those actions. I'm not going to continually second guess myself and reassess through that process. I'm going to trust the process, take the action, and that momentum you know, should build the confidence back up again. Do, do, do you agree? Absolutely. 100%. Taking steps. I'm in a session line. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Life happens. There's a sign on the door. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. Trust the process. Trust your own process. I think the, the hardest lesson for me during this round of studies in psychology is that I am no one's expert. I'm only my own expert. You know what works for you. You also know the frogs you have to eat. You know the boats you have to burn. And you know what you really don't want to do, but that you should probably be doing. Nobody thinks that a binge, if you're going to eat a binge pile of food, is healthy. You know it's not healthy. Why are you doing it anyway? What's the payoff? So we need to look at what is the payoff to our behaviors that are serving us and what's the payoff to the behaviors that are not serving us. Second guessing ourselves 
almost gives us a loophole to not start something because we're going to fail mm. at it anyway. And I failed the last one, so I'm definitely not going yep. to give it my all now. Yep. It creates a, a excuse. And um, in NLP, we have a, a meta pattern called the excuse blowout pattern where we look at what is that about? Is there a fear of failure? What does that fear give you? Oh, it allows me not to try. What does not mm. trying give you? If I don't try, I won't fail. What does not failing give you? Oh, it means I'm good. But isn't there another way you could be good? Wouldn't you be even better if you actually tried? Wouldn't you exceed your own expectations if you just applied the things that you're good at to this? And then we can suddenly reframe experiences. But if we second guess and do micromanagement of the process without trusting it, we, we stop ourselves short. We you quit before the magic happens and that's that's not worth it so mm. trust the process and trust people who are slightly more objective to the process than yourself because sometimes we need a reality check yes i'm, I'm a, i am my own expert but i'm also caught up in all my drama in my head and my anxiety so then i can come to a coach or a community like this and say eh, eh, is what i'm saying making sense and then checking in is this just my anxiety or is the subject actually really hard and i need a tutor kind of thing so have a reality check but trust well trust but verify i suppose is the point but second guessing a process means you're never going to get anywhere just flow flow as the way okay i just wanted to touch on a couple of practical questions that we'd had on the chat and we sort of got 10 15 minutes left in our webinar this afternoon and i've oh, certainly enjoyed this so much and found it so useful and so i really just appreciate your time and i know you're incredibly busy this year so do appreciate the hour of your time that you've given us um Bushley, yeah. <laughs> well Please. melissa i mean I, I i i you know just off the back of this chat i mean and i know you're finishing off your degree this year so maybe it's a conversation for later in the year or early next year but i'd really invite you to to play a role in our group and you know i just started this group and it came off and i just want to talk about Bushley's question i had a a WhatsApp group going for postgraduate students at WITS. And uh, it was full within two weeks. We had to split off to another group. And I just saw such a huge gap in terms of the support community, which is a safe environment. There's no assessment. There's no supervisors looking over your shoulders. We obviously moderated and we have principals, et cetera. And then we built up the Facebook group. We built up the YouTube channel. We've got the podcast going so people can listen to inspiring stories, et cetera. Um, but those are little inches, you know, that can help mm -hmm. people in different situations. So, Bushley, um, uh, and I see a couple of people not on Facebook, so so um, mm. we'll need to solve that as well. And yes, I saw there was a question there about branching out onto other platforms. We'll certainly look at that as well. But Melissa, in time, it would be fantastic if, you know, in the student success coach community, you're able to play a contributory role, you know, that helps you with your business and your growth and your objectives as well. But I think just from today, we've seen a huge, a huge need from this. So Bushley, um, I have put the link for the Facebook group. If you are on uh, Facebook, it would be great that you can come in there, uh, pop us your details. It's members only, so we do moderate it, but it is the best place. And I always say it's the best place to get directly in touch with me. I offer free coaching calls for people, and you just have to, to direct message me um, inside the Facebook group there. Um, so there were one or two other topics. So Melissa, going to our uh, student success coach, other social media platforms like Instagram. Yes, um, the community is sort of best served with the features of the Facebook group. And there was another question about joining a mentorship program. So what we do in uh, the Facebook group is we actually have a mentorship program. So when you come into the Facebook group, there's actually a button at the top there that says mentorship. And you can click on that. And we've got people lined up that have offered themselves to be mentors. Oh, and, amazing. you know, 
Melissa, potentially in future, you might want to, to become one of those and then have more of a student health wellness aspect to the mentorship mm -hmm. that you're able to provide into the group. Um, so Melissa, your thoughts, would you be willing to help us out with that? 100%, it would be a privilege. Okay, that's fantastic. That's really great, I appreciate that. Um, Joyce mentioned uh, learning a lot. In fact, we reach out and acknowledge it's huge for me, makes me realize I'm not alone in this journey, smiley face. So well, if that's an inch, hopefully there's a few other inches I think that I see uh, in the chat today, which is fantastic. Um, I wanted to find, oh, this uh, this was a question. Tabang says, just for the benefits of people listening on the podcast, Tabang says, I'm a recent graduate with 20 distinctions in my undergraduate studies, wow. pursue my honors, but struggling to find a job, which is leaving me depressed, what can I do? And I wanted to just come at this from the angle of the question that we answered earlier about failing a module. So, you know, success is an interpretation, right? I mean, you know, so you can get the 20 distinctions, but then COVID hits and then the job market collapses. So you've done your best as an academic. You've done everything that everybody told you to do to get the degree at the best possible level that you can, and you still can't find a job. Yeah. So this, this self flagellation if you like you know you've got to be so careful of it because often there are those external circumstances that come into play so melissa we've we've had someone that's you know struggling to get those distinctions we've got somebody that's got the distinctions it doesn't honestly matter at the end of the day these mental health issues attack us from all angles and uh, we just have to be so centered and practical about dealing with it your thoughts i think this is where mindfulness is really helpful the externals we can't control. We can't control the job market. Um, in my own field, the same thing. Um, you can have the best looking CV. You can have all of the qualifications and the CPD points and nothing will happen. So this is where be mindful. What are your assets? How can you turn this into something to jump off of? How can you be an entrepreneur for yourself? How can you best market yourself? How do you use your networks to communicate? When we achieve in isolation, we have no network. So as much as I'm not always a people person, I understand the benefit of communities like these, communities where I can stay in touch with the supervisor. Maybe they can get me a tutoring job. And I mean, it's not glamorous, but it's something. And I can build myself up from there. So don't just get attached to the negative. Have perspective on all of what's going on and be mindful of yourself, your skills, your resources, your network, and don't give up. Most people currently change careers often. I went from academic to corporate to coach to counselor. Um, still coach. Coach slash counselor. Um, and if we are incredibly attached to the plan and the expectation of I studied X, therefore I will be X, you are ring-fencing yourself and you're almost cutting off potential. So I never saw myself playing the role I play now. But I was open to it. And when an opportunity comes, you grab it and you go with the flow. Um, so please don't give up and don't attach your personal value to a job. Much as don't attach personal value to the distinctions, they're nice, but you aren't just a walking distinction. There's more to you. Capitalize mm. on your humanness. Capitalize mm. on your connection. See what can come of that. Mm. 
Melissa, thank you. And I just, uh, you know, I, we don't plan these things, guys, but just in response to Depang's, Debung's question there, I've just posted a link to my course um, on how to improve your job prospects and accelerate your career growth, which I've opened up for free and everybody can jump on there and enroll for free. It'll be open for the next three days. But in there... Net, yeah, networking, all those good things are in there, how to structure a good CV, how to conduct yourself in an interview, both online and in presence. Um, I talk about how to get mentors and coaches and position yourself in the job market. And really, this comes off the back of myself being in corporate for 25 years, but being passionately involved in student groups and understanding what that bridge looks like. Uh, and hoping in that course, and hopefully if you go through that and anybody else that wants to enroll there, you can click there and enroll for free. That then gives you everything and all my advice and all my input. It may be only a couple of inches in solving your specific problems with regards to getting a job and positioning yourself in the workplace, but maybe that is some action uh, to bang that you can take from today. So the link is in the course. Uh, you don't have to take a note of that from uh, what's on the screen over there at the moment. Uh, Louisa, absolute pleasure. Um, uh, really very glad that we can uh, make some uh, difference in your lives today. Um, Kiara, absolute pleasure. Um, maybe just a couple of last questions, Melissa, just back to some of the content we're talking about this afternoon. How do I deal with guilt? This is a question from Chiwaniso. How do I deal with guilt from dealing with psychiatric symptoms? That's a tough one. I think when we have a self-concept that is not what we want and not normal or neurotypical, there's a deep sense of guilt and shame because we become burdens to our families, we become less functional, we're a burden on society. And that's just not true. But I know how the experience of not being neurotypical is versus the perception. And guilt is an unproductive emotion, which is the counseling answer. And that's what I would say to a client. Um, guilt is an unproductive emotion. However, I understand that you feel guilty because it's not just you going through it. Psychiatric symptoms don't happen in a vacuum either. They affect the system. What we can do is claim every victory that you are dealing with the symptoms. Every time you manage a symptom, that's a victory. There's nothing to feel guilty about. That's something to celebrate. You overcame a symptom. Mm. That's a big deal. And it can, doesn't matter how big or small, you're overcoming, you're managing, you're doing your whatever it is that you're doing in spite of, mm. maybe even because of, maybe it can be a source of inspiration rather than a source of guilt and shame. And I would hope that through destigmatization and psychoeducation, our systems and loved ones can also understand the victories from the battles that we fight on a daily basis, especially if they haven't been through it themselves. A lot of people go through studies without anxiety and good for them. Um, I wasn't one of them. And enlightening someone to the process of what's physiologically happening, A, it's real, B, it's sometimes debilitating, and C, sometimes my best effort is 60% on a day. But you know what? Mm. I gave it my sick. There's no guilt there. There's only celebration. And there's yep. only holding on to that victory so that you know you can do it again. You've got mm. proof. You've got evidence of the fact that you have survived it. You've conquered it. You've managed it. There's no guilt because you're doing the doing, you're putting mm. in the work, you're doing the actions that get you through. Yep. There's no guilt yep. around that. I think it was the book uh, Thinking Fast and Slow where they talk about how humans are conditioned to 
overemphasize bad news because when we were living in the jungles, we would listen for the lion stalking in the grass, which was a very soft sound compared to the beautiful trees in the bush. But we knew that the mm -hmm. lion was danger and we overemphasized the bad news in our lives. So when you talk about the 60-40, we tend to focus on the hole in the donut, the 40% of what we didn't manage to achieve or get through today. But there's the 60%, there's the, the, the donut itself, you know, the line could be something else, you know, celebrate the birds, you know, and, and so I just got a lot of insight from that book, um, which I think you've read as well, and, uh, you know, very insightful as to how mm -hmm. humans have been conditioned to overemphasize bad news. And we see it playing out in the pandemic. We see it playing out yeah. in the news. It's how we get fake news. It's how we get clickbait. It's how social media can also play a negative role in our emotions because we overemphasize and we click on the things that feed that doubt and the negative stories that um, you know play out in our lives, and that as humans we tend to respond to um, disproportionately then to the good news. Hundred percent. And here's the thing: you have a superpower mm. because you have a neurodiverse brain that allows you to engage with the world differently and allows you to learn a whole new skill set on managing yourself and others. That's a superpower. Claim that. Mm, mm, mm. No, I love that. Absolutely. And I just want to answer uh, Mookie's question there by, uh, as I promised at the beginning, uh, showing what was happening in the uh, group yesterday. And uh, might be a bit uh, small there for people to see, but let me just zoom in quickly. And um, you can see here that this is our, this is our members only Facebook group, which I put the link Thanks. into there. Um, and this is the interview that we're having today. But hopefully everybody can just read that where Ramona there said, um, and this was in response to Mookie's question. I want to give Mookie a practical answer to her question there. Ramona mm -hmm. had a mental block and she shared in the group uh, that she's been struggling with some personal issues which have resulted in me falling behind with my schoolwork. Procrastination has also played its role too, so she's not innocent. She acknowledges that. But I want to take back control of my academics by catching up with all my modules starting today. Please help me by holding me accountable today. So you can see there how you know we all climbed in to help her. Mm -hmm. And I said, firstly, congrats. So step one, you've burnt your boats. And Mookie, to overcome that mental block, burning your boats or eating frogs for breakfast, you know, these are just simple practical things that you can do. So in a public mm -hmm. forum, or not public, but within all the members of the Student Success Coach Facebook group, Ramona took that bold step of committing to doing something. And what that did was it took away that mental block. She'd moved on from the mental block into a space of, of commitment. So let's say you need to go to the gym. You'll commit to somebody that you'll meet them there at six o'clock the next day, because you know when you're lying in bed, they're gonna be waiting for you at the gym. And you don't want to have those guilty feelings, so you're going to be there. And that's what burning your boats is about. And Ramona did the same because we all then replied. And you can see her, all the replies they're saying. Um, and I checked in on her during the day. And then you can see her, you know, she sent pictures. It reminded nice. me of, of yourself, Melissa, with, with the study notes and the, the, the colored highlights and all the rest of it, you know, throughout the day, et cetera. And, um, you know, we, we celebrated. And I said, I'll be up at midnight to see your celebration. Um mm. So, so, so there we go. And then what she said was, um, only managed to complete part one of unit three, but I'm not sleeping until I'm done with part two. And this was a story that I think we introduced at the beginning there. Send a snap when I'm done. There we go. Part two done. Passed out before showing, but basically my goal was achieved. So nice. 
Mookie, I mean, this is what, you know, in the group we can offer you. And if you want to burn your boats today on the live chat, just put a goal there that you want to overcome. If it's two hours of study that you need to get done by Sunday, don't make it too big. As we said earlier, it's inches, it's tasks, it's steps. But getting rid of those mental blocks by burning your boats can help you on that path and get the momentum that you need to overcome, you know, some of those challenging mental health issues that we've spoken about today or even just those academic goals um, that you're trying to accomplish. Melissa, I see you nodding your head vigorously there. I love that. Inch by inch, we get there. Smart goals are a thing. And accountability is the best way to get us there. Some, I am not always accountable to myself, but if I know that I've got someone on my team, I'm inspired and I'm supported and I can check in with someone. That's fantastic. And even better if it's someone who knows the, the subject that I'm dealing with, because it's always nice to get a second perspective. Agreed. Okay, guys, we're out of time and a sincere apologies that we didn't get to answer all the questions. What I do on the uh, YouTube channel and um, what I did put into the uh, chat earlier was a link to the YouTube channel for you to subscribe is I go and I pick up all the questions and then I answer them to the degree that I can and I maybe need to refer a couple to Melissa for our next chat possibly, but where I can give some perspective on them, I'll go and sweep all those up and you'll get sort of a video per day. If you subscribe, you'll get the benefit of the answers to all the questions that everybody else has asked um, on the webinar and if you yourself Ask, ask one of those questions, then we'll give you that answer in that video, which will be available on the YouTube channel. And then just while we're on the topic of the YouTube channel, all our webinars are obviously live on the channel, but then recorded and available at the same link that you got in the email or that you're looking at on your screen today. You can go in and, 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 and get access to that recording and please do share it and like it and comment on it mm -hmm. and that just gives us the affirmation that we're, we're, we're adding some value and helping you with a couple of inches away from the edge of the cliff today, Melissa. So I think we, I think there were a few inches today, hopefully just using, using that analogy. And there were inches for me as well, because this is connection and it's connection with a group of people for whom I feel so dearly because academics, you know, you're my everything. So thank you. And thank you for having started this. I would have wanted this when I was a first year, the first time around when I was in my master's, this, what an amazing opportunity and thank every single one of you for engaging and letting me share. And yeah, wow. I'm privileged to be here today. Thank you, Melissa. I'm privileged to have you. And my single motto is exactly what you said. I aim to create with the YouTube channel, with the podcast, with my courses, with the Facebook group and the WhatsApp groups. And there's a Telegram channel as well. Everything that I wish I'd had as a student yeah. um, because I've gone through that journey and I've designed it specifically for people that are now also going through that journey. And we're not from myself alone, but from within a community which showcases people like yourself and other experts, we all got access to that in this environment that gives us the accountability, it gives us the support, it gives us the chance to connect with people and ultimately help us be not just successful students, but successful human beings, which I think is ultimately what we're all trying to do. That is amazing. Thank you, what a gift. Brilliant. Melissa, thank you so much. Have a super weekend. And to everybody that's joined us today, just take action, take steps, take those inches, look after yourself, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.